So that's it after 20 years. So long, good luck. I don't recall saying good luck. Good morning, and welcome to episode 225 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast on baseball prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you? Very well. I went to see the Syracuse Chiefs this weekend. Um, you didn't, uh, you, uh, just to clarify, you went to Syracuse and while you were there, you saw the Chiefs? <laughs> yes, that was not my primary reason for going. It's a, it's a long drive and the Chiefs don't have a lot of prospects, but I was in town, so I saw the Chiefs. Did, did you, um, I have a question for you. I've, I haven't been able to figure this out on my own and I've been too shy to ask, mm-hmm. uh, but did you just flash your BBWAA card or I, did I you didn't. buy a ticket? I brought it with me uh, thinking that, that maybe I would go to a game and maybe I would do that. And I had this whole fantasy playing out in my mind where like a baseball writer from the big city comes to Syracuse and they roll out the red carpet for me. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> That's I, awful. Yeah, That's was, awful. That is an awful thing that you've I just know, said. I know. <laughs> uh, but I didn't have to do that because, and I didn't have to have my my ego um, smacked down by no one caring that I was there, uh, because apparently you can just get free tickets to see the Chiefs just by asking for them. We the hotel that we were staying at just gives away Chiefs tickets at the front desk. You just ask for tickets to see the Chiefs, and they pretty much give you as many as you want. We got ten tickets <laughs> to see the <laughs> Chiefs. But we were I was with. Three other people. Were there ten of you? No, I was with three other people, and one of them asked for five and got five, uh, and then the other, another one asked for five and also got five because we thought maybe we would. We were going to a wedding, and there would be a lot of people, and we thought maybe we would just kind of just throw them in the air and see who fought and came up with Chiefs tickets. Um, but yeah, you can just you can just go. I don't know how they make money or anything because obviously I'm not going to be a repeat customer as I don't live in Syracuse so this wasn't really building any business for them it was just giving me tickets for the hotel right the hotel is the one that I guess this is the hotel the hotel has a deal is someone gonna stay at that hotel because you can get free chiefs it's it's part part of the overall experience yeah this is what hotels do I mean they also probably treated you politely didn't they uh they did yeah yeah see that also is is part of the deal I am likely to stay at that hotel again if I go back to Syracuse not really mm-hmm. because of the Chiefs tickets, but I guess that helped. So, uh, okay, <laughs> all right. So we should note. Uh, thanks. Uh, we want to thank everybody oh, yes. who alerted us to the uh, outstanding development <laughs> in in pieing technology this weekend. Uh, the Mets won a a walk off, and uh, was it Kurt Neuenheis? He did the walking off. Yes, he did the walking off, and he was pied with with a pie. Yeah, <laughs> pardon me, <laughs> I'm coughing. Pie. <laughs> with an actual pie without a tin. <laughs> this is what made it for me is that there was no tin. It was it you it was proof of pie that there was not even a tin. It was it appeared to be an apple pie with a nice a golden crust. And uh and so I think I've realized what the next stage in pieing is, Ben. What's that? Uh I think that they're going to attack uh the the Walker offer. Mm-hmm. With pie ingredients uh, <laughs> disassembled, it's going to be a very deconstructed pie celebration. Uh-huh. They're going to pelt him with apples, pour sugar over him. Uh, uh, I don't know if I don't cinnamon, maybe shake some cinnamon, uh, uh, flour, mm-hmm. douse him with flour, 
um, and uh, it's going to be all very uh, artistic in the end. Well, I hope it. I hope the the real pie trend continues. I mean, I it was Justin Turner who did it, and I did some googling to see how long he had been sort of the designated pie person. It, it seems like it started earlier this year when uh, John Buck pied Jordani Valdespin just with a, a shaving cream pie and did it too hard. Um, and then he, he apologized later and, and Turner said that he would have to take over the pieing duty. And since then, he's been the designated pie guy. But I couldn't find any evidence that he had used an actual pie prior to, to yesterday. Uh, so the timing is, is suggestive uh, because we just did talk about this. Uh, did you ever eat home run pies when you were growing up? I don't think so. A home run pie was like uh, like those hostess pies that you get for like eighty nine cents at the at the uh, checkout line mm-hmm. at the grocery store. Uh, except a home run pie was cheaper, much cheaper. It was four for a buck, and so for a kid, that's a price that you can handle, mm-hmm. and uh, every bit is good. Huh. Uh, and home run pie has both home run and pie in the name. So I could see for a certain uh, 80s nostalgic yeah. kid, uh, a home run pie could also be an, an interesting way of pieing somebody. Was it baseball branded, the pie? I mean, was it? Uh, you know, I don't believe it was. Oh. I, I don't think there was anything baseball related inside. There weren't <laughs> seams on it or anything like that. Mm. So what do you want to talk about? Uh, scouting scouts, evaluating scouts. Okay. And I want to talk about uh, Mariano Rivera. Okay. So I'll go first. Uh, as everybody knows, Mariano Rivera is doing his farewell tour. It seems to be going uh, very well and de- quite endearing, I would say. Um, while Chipper Jones' farewell tour was nice because he got uh, all these strange toys and stuff um, and got to say goodbye, uh, Rivera has been doing um, this sort of thing where he goes in and meets with like the the you know the the serving staff and the janitors and he goes and meets with all these people who kept the stadiums running uh, while he was playing. Uh, he's also been doing a ton of autographs for the visiting crowd and he's also been getting some knickknacks. I, Oakland uh, recently gave him a surfboard mm-hmm. and a bottle of I believe Sonoma County wine, mm-hmm. but it might have been Napa Valley wine. Um, and so I'll just real quickly quote from. Um, Uh, Tim Brown's piece about his visit to Anaheim this weekend. Uh, By now you've heard Rivera intends to retire at the end of the season and that he wished to meet the people he'd not met before. Those who'd worked the long hours, kept the places running, cleaned them up, opened the doors, and shut them again. He'd shake their hands and return their smiles and tell his stories and thank them for their dedication to performing one job very well for a long time. Skip ahead three paragraphs. He sat among them, Jim Abbott to his left, Jerry DePoto across the way, trainer Rick Smith to his right. The rest were employees, fans, sponsors, the kind of people Rivera sought to introduce himself uh, to introduce himself all season. Where's Alice, Rivera asked. A woman in a dark smock who'd worked 45 years in housekeeping smiled and waved her hand. Years ago, she'd brought her two sons on board. Thank you, Alice, he said. Thank you for being here. And... Uh, Rivera has also been pitching well, and this weekend uh, on Sunday he saved the Yankees' victory, gave up a couple broken bat singles, and then uh, with the game on the line, one run lead, struck out Albert Pujols on three pitches, mm-hmm. and so it's going perfectly. And I just want to note um, that it brings me no joy whatsoever, <laughs> and I, I actually find this to be both perfectly executed and 
uh, a little bit unfair <laughs> to me. Uh, I don't think that it's fair that he's retiring right now. I, he has every right to do it, um, and he has every right to do what makes him happy. He has no obligation to me whatsoever. Uh, but it bums me out when guys do these farewell tours when they're still really good. Mm-hmm. If he were, if he were, if this were, I think Ichiro, for instance. I could see Ichiro walking away at any time. At this point, he's not uh, a tremendous ball player anymore. I think I would like to celebrate Ichiro. This is the time when I would like to celebrate Ichiro. But it feels weird because Mariano Rivera is still maybe like the third best reliever in baseball or something like that. He has the fifth best ERA of his career uh, right now. He is completely dominant. And um, did you and- Did you feel this way about Chipper last year too? I felt somewhat this way about Chipper last year. I, I actually did. I, I Especially with Chipper as the year went on and it became clear that he was still really good. And you, you sort of sense that he was maybe even surprising himself with how good mm-hmm. he was. Like you, Going into that season, Chipper was a, a pretty good ball player going into the season. But, you know, there were, there were problems there. And uh, he seemed like it was more likely he'd get worse than he'd get better. And so Chipper was maybe getting out before it got too, too terrible. Um, and then he ended up being, you know, even better, which wasn't a shock, but it was maybe a little bit of a surprise. And by August, you're like, geez, I wonder if he's regretting this. Yeah. Like if he, if he hadn't taken all these gifts, people have, it'd be a lot easier. People have asked Rivera say, recently whether he might reconsider or regretted it or something. And I, I think he said, no, this is definitely it. Yeah, yeah. Well, once you take that first gift, you're sort of, you're sort of stuck with yeah. it. I, I think that you have to just own your decision once you take that first gift. And so I don't know. I mean, I um, again, I, I mean, I appreciate that it's not my decision; it's his. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be happy for him. And the nice thing about Rivera is that because of his job, he's one of the very, 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 very few Hall of Famers who's likely going to get to end his career. Uh, ending a victory you know like finishing off a victory Uh very few hitters get to to leave on a walk-off and very few pitchers leave on a complete game win but Rivera will get to and and that'll be a really incredible moment but um I just think that we're uh, and again just like for the millionth time I I get that it's not my my decision and I'm happy for him and, and and all that but I do feel like as a baseball fan that we are being cheated because Rivera has been uh, he's been he's basically broken baseball for the last 15 years. He's done something nobody had ever done, and he's uh, kind of reset the limits of what we can imagine from a reliever and uh, what we think of from a reliever. And he's now in a position to do the same thing for a, for an old person. He is we you don't know the limits on how long he can do this. It is not at this point physically impossible to think that he might break all sorts of preconceived notions about how long he could do this. It's not totally inconceivable. It's unlikely, but it's not totally inconceivable that he could be a 52-year-old on the All-Star team (laughs) getting seven and a half strikeouts per walk and a 1.4 ERA. I think he's had one ERA over two since, uh, sorry, since 2000 and uh, let's see. Since 2003, so in a decade, he's had one ERA over 2.2. Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing. I I feel like with most players, even with most great players, you can kind of 
you can probably pin it down within a few years if someone just quotes you their stats from that season. You could probably guess uh-huh. at what point <laughs> yes. in their career those stats came from. Whereas yeah. Rivera, there's just, I mean, it really could be, I mean, 1996 was kind of its own thing where he was used differently and pitched way more innings and was really, really dominant. Uh, other than that, though, I mean, from 1997 on, you could pretty much, uh, it's really hard to distinguish between his stats any other season. I mean, his his strikeout rate this season is like just above his career average and his Walk rate is just below his career average, and his home run rate is just below his career average, and he's, like, always right around there. So there's really, I mean, I guess he's pitched fewer innings. He's been used more sparingly the last few years. But other than that, um, I mean, his his peripherals are just unchanged from peak. He has, he has nine seasons with an ERA in a .2 run window range yeah. and the, the range is from 175 to 195 yeah, it's incredible which is enough to be like top 10 era uh a lot of seasons yeah. for a really wrote, he's got nine i seasons. wrote something like, about him i think it was before this season and i i said i mean you'd figure that at some point he would have had a season where he just had a crazy babip or something and and just had a four era or just i mean over 60 innings and over that many years you figured he'd have one kind of bad luck season where he wouldn't have been that great. Uh, and he really has never even had that season. I guess his worst season was like 2007 when he had a, a 322 BABIP, which is very high for him because he always has a low one. And, and he had a 3.15 ERA. That's as bad as it's ever gotten for him. You figured he would have had one kind of fluky average year in there somewhere. And even his worst year was, was pretty good. So I think that um, it's I, I think if he had if he were showing I think a, a legitimate uh, like like so Trevor Hoffman you might argue that that Trevor Hoffman hung on one year too uh-huh. long because uh, his last year was terrible um, and I'm looking up what his previous year was and his previous year as I recall was sort of weird because he had like no walks whatsoever but you know there were some indications that he was less effective yeah. uh, so Trevor Hoffman in his Second, oh yeah, okay. So his second to last year. Uh, well, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Trevor Hoffman had an exceptional year, his second to last year. But before that, the year, his third to last year, he had a very high ERA. Mm-hmm. Um, and his fourth to last year, it was so so. So I, I don't know. Maybe Hoffman is the argument for getting out while you can. But I just think if if, if Rivera were showing any signs of of decline, like if he had, um, you know, if he if his strikeout rate were seven. And he had, you know, an ERA that was around like the high twos or something right now. Uh, I could see being kind of happy that he's leaving, you know, in a in a in a fairly uh, prestigious point in his career. Um, but he's not. And I think that the the rarest thing in baseball is to see somebody who really pushes beyond what has been done and sh- and can show you something that you've never seen before. Um, and it's, uh, I feel like in some way we got cheated because Barry Bonds was pushed out of the game, uh, before I, had, uh, I had used him up. Uh, and I now feel like in a, in a way we're, we're being cheated because Mariano Rivera is going to be gone. And, and so uh, 
I, the argument is that, you know, well, there's a few arguments. One is that he's been playing a long time, and he's probably, like, sincerely bored of it, and it's probably not that much fun. Uh, it's not that exciting. But the, uh, the argument is that, you know, it's, it's it, very few people get to leave on top, mm-hmm. and it's a great thing if you're able to leave on top. And I don't know that I buy that. I, I'm trying to think if, if uh, players who have left not on top uh, if you think any less of them, do, I mean, can you think of any players who you you really think, wow, my 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 opinion about his legacy is changed because he hung on for for too long? Uh, I mean, B, uh, I thought Biggio right, and was a bit brutal because it was forced. Yeah, it, it was, was it was going for that milestone. Yes. But if he'd had two or three years and and it hadn't been quite so obvious, and same maybe the same with Pete Rose. Um, then I don't know that it would have been an issue. I don't think that we're going to think any less of Ichiro. Ichiro's going to make the Hall of Fame anyway, um, I would think. And I, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess the the classic example is Willie Mays, just because he happened to fall down in the outfield and look look awkward and like he shouldn't be playing anymore. But and people do remember that and they cite that all the time, and that was probably very depressing to watch. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I mean, has it really hurt Willie Mays' legacy? Not, not really. He's still regarded as, as one of the best players of all time. He's still routine, routinely cited as, as one of the best or the best. And so I don't think it's taken away a whole lot. I guess I wouldn't want to go out that way. I mean, you wouldn't want to go out on the bottom. Um, that's a little different from just not going out on top, but, uh, but no, I can't really think of anyone, any great player who really, really tarnished his legacy like that. Um, and I always, I always do root for players to keep playing as long as they're really productive. I don't, I don't like to see them retire either. I, I, I mean, I felt that way a bit about Chipper. I definitely felt that way about Mike Messina, who was one of my favorite pitchers and went out uh, in 2008. Uh, he was great and, um, he won 20 games for the first time in his career, and he was 39 years old and coming off a great season. And he had shown some signs of decline this season before that, but uh, but he looked great, and he just kind of called it quits. And um, I was sad to see him go because I really enjoyed watching him pitch, and also because he's kind of a he's kind of a borderline Cy or Hall of Fame candidate. I mean, I think he he should definitely be in, but he will be a, a borderline guy. Uh, and I felt like he. He probably could have helped his case if he had pitched for another year or two and kind of gotten his counting stats up a little higher and that sort of thing. But I guess with Rivera, I'm I'm also very sorry to see him go. Uh, but I have always kind of dreaded seeing him decline. It's mm-hmm. it, it seems like it would be an especially depressing thing to see someone who yeah. just has never been bad and has just been kind of... Uh, preternaturally excellent year after year to see him suddenly lose his command and and start walking people or start giving up home runs and and the cutter not working anymore and then you'd have the the whole controversy like should he still be closer and maybe he'd be demoted to setup guy and how depressing would that be um so i would have hated to see him struggle so i guess with him i mean the question is how long he could keep going. How many years are we being cheated out of by his retirement? And I don't cheated is probably the wrong word to use. I mean, he's perfectly yeah. entitled to to retire. He's 
pitch for a very long time. Um, deprived. Yeah, deprived. Uh, I mean, if he if he could go on and pitch like this when he was 45 or something, then we're losing a lot. Uh, I mean, I guess the odds are that he wouldn't do that, that he would start to struggle or just become extremely fragile and always be on the DL within a year or two. And, and in that case, I would be kind of happy that, that he's going out on top because mm-hmm. I guess I'd rather... I'd rather see us lose like one season of, of Rivera being yeah. excellent and also be spared Rivera struggling yeah. after that. Um, yeah, it's the scope of the unknown yes. that makes it hard. If, if I knew, if I had a time machine and I knew that, that he was going to be gone by 2015 regardless, right. then I'd say, okay, great, perfect. Yes. Now's a great time. I love how you're doing it. But there's this little <laughs> part of me that thinks, what if it's 2019? Yes. Like, what if you really <laughs> see something absurd? And it's obviously not likely that you're going to see something so unlikely, but it's possible. It's the very, very rare case where there is something possible here that you just can't ever necessarily count on seeing again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's do your thing. Okay. Uh, my thing is about evaluating scouts, uh, and bear with me. I have about 15 tabs open here. Uh, so Bob Elliott from the Toronto Sun, longtime baseball writer, tweeted – I guess it was on Saturday, um, or no, maybe it was Sunday, uh, that the Blue Jays are letting eight of their amateur scouts go. Uh, and he, he named all of the scouts and, and mentioned some of the players that they've signed. And this is, of course, right after the draft, so you figure it's kind of a, a logical time to let people go if you're going to let people go. And uh, Keith Law from ESPN retweeted uh a question that one of his followers sent him asking if he had any idea why the Jays, why the Jays fired those guys. And Keith said, uh, new SD, new scouting director, adding his own guys. Lost some very good scouts, though. Um, and I, I looked, their new their scouting d- uh, director, Brian Parker, is not brand new. They've, they hired him last June. Uh, but that's... That's fairly new in that I guess this was his first draft and he's now had a, a year or so to evaluate these these scouts and, and so now he's making a change. You wouldn't want to make a change necessarily leading up to a draft because then your, your coverage would be all screwed up. Uh, so Keith's tweet got a reply from Chris Long, who was the Padres' senior quantitative analyst for eight years. Uh, up until this past February, he's still a consultant for the Padres and also for the Houston Rockets. Uh, he, he is now a data scientist primarily for JMI Equity, which is a, a growth equity firm. So he's been a longtime front office stats guy and consultant. And he responded, uh, the real answer is it doesn't matter because no one knows who is or isn't a good scout. So I guess this was kind of your your stereotypical stats versus scouts thing um where i I guess we have i mean so the question is can we tell who who is or isn't a good scout does it matter when when you fire a scout are they all not that they're all interchangeable but that maybe we couldn't tell which ones are good and which ones are bad um and this is interesting I, i mean I've read things from front office people talking about how they are making an effort to evaluate their scouts. I feel like it's it's an area that a lot of teams are looking into now. And uh, to be fair, I don't know that, that Chris actually believes what he tweeted um, because Max Markey from BP responded to his tweet and said, 
that it should be possible to evaluate scouts statistically. And Chris then admitted that there are ways to do it. And he linked to the, the Wikipedia page for forecast verification, uh, which is just, you know, what it sounds like a way to tell whether predictions are accurate. So Scouts produce a, a ton of data. I mean, they're constantly filing reports on tons of players. They're putting grades, which can be, you know, which are numbers and can be statistically analyzed uh, for hundreds of players. And you can, I think you can quickly tell what a scout's tendencies are, whether he is a guy who tends to give high grades or low grades, um, and whether maybe he grades certain skills or certain tools more more generously than other scouts you can kind of look you know does he does he put a high future grade on a hit tool or a low future grade on on power tool or whatever and maybe he he varies um and by comparing that scout's ratings to other scouts ratings of the same player i feel like you can get a pretty good picture fairly quickly of what his tendencies are but to tell how accurate he is, you would need some time, I would think, to to tell, you know, to kind of look over a, a long period of time whether his reports proved more accurate than other people's reports. But it could certainly be done. Um, and I just quickly Googled a few of the, the scouts who were let go, and it seemed like they'd been with the Blue Jays for some time, uh, one of them at least since 2006. One of them was in his fourth season with the team. Another was, I think in his third season with the team. So there was some sample size there where you could start to evaluate whether these guys were actually good or not. Um, and I found uh, I found an interview with Alex Anthopoulos, which I hope I can find now. Uh, and it was from February of 2010, so quite a while ago. Um, it was with a, a Blue Jays blog called Batter's Box, I think. And they asked him, do you have a system or basis for evaluating your professional scouts? Uh, with so many new scouts in the organization, can you hear all their voices and recommendations? And Anthopoulos said, evaluating scouts is something that I feel is critical, both on the professional and amateur sides. I also believe developing our employees is equally as important. We've begun to implement systems to address both of those issues. Um, so that was, that was early 2010. It's now 2013. It seems very plausible that the Blue Jays have a, a method in place for for analyzing their scouts, and all of these scouts had been with them for some time. So we don't know why they were let go. Maybe they maybe they didn't get along with people. Maybe they didn't have people skills. Maybe they didn't file reports on time. Who knows? But uh, it's it's possible that that they were fired for for cause. I mean, any any company evaluates the performance of its employees and. I guess scouts, it's traditionally been difficult to do that, but I think there are ways to do that, and I'm sure teams are doing it. So I wonder uh, how, I'm going to just veer wildly sure. in a different direction, I wonder how uh, likely it is that the each of these eight scouts will get another job mm -hmm. as a scout, a comparable job with similar benefits, uh -huh. etc. Um, because I think that um, it's <clears throat> baseball is... Is a is theoretically is a pure meritocracy at the player level. Uh, you you hire the best players you can, and if you can hire a better player, you hire that guy instead. And that's you know the point is to win games, and these guys are very well compensated um, for being part of this system, which sometimes throws them overboard at little notice. Um, but scouts are not 
baseball players. Scouts are employees of a of a company. Um, they are, uh, you know, not paid millions of dollars for a year of work. And I think that while it's perfectly reasonable for uh, and you know for a company to evaluate its personnel and to get rid of the ones that are not doing it, uh, doing things right, doing doing things well, you know, of trying to upgrade their product. It's not quite the same. I mean, there is there is a loyalty from company to employee that should be there because when a, a regular person, a non-ball player, loses his job and can't find another job, it has extremely significant uh, effects on his life, on his ability to get health care, on his ability to provide for his family. Mm-hmm. And in this sort of, sorry for the cliche, but in this economy, if it's hard to get a job, it can be really, really hard to get a job. It's it's a life-changing, sometimes life-ruining decision, and companies should not take it lightly at all. Now, that's not to say that there shouldn't be people getting fired or laid off or moved around a lot. There should be, but it's a much higher bar than simply saying, we've identified you as a seven, and we can hire somebody else who is a seven and a half. Uh, to me, you take on, as a, as a company, when you hire a person, you take on, uh, you own that decision. And if you hire a person who's not uh, the best person at the job, uh, that's, that's to, to a large degree, your fault as the employer. Uh, and, you know, I think that to some degree you have to live with it. Now, the question is to what degree you have to live with it. If it's a two, if the guy is performing at a two and you can hire a 7.5 replacement, then you have to do it. That's a significant thing. But if it's a, if it's a small thing, then I think it's not great. So I guess uh, in, in evaluating this decision, uh, there, there's two factors. One is did the Blue Jays improve themselves? Are they capable of making uh, you know, a decision that one scout is better than another scout? I think the answer is probably that they are, mm-hmm. that it's inexact. It will often lead them astray. But over the long haul, uh, they get to see, like you said, a ton of data. They get to see not only the players that these scouts signed, which is what we get to yes, see. Yes, which is they get not, to see, which is sadly nothing. not it's, enough it's to, worthless. right, we can't, we can't do any of these analytics that teams are doing yeah. because it depends entirely on, on seeing uh, all of these reports, which is, it's too bad because when a scout gets let go, we always see or someone reports, oh, well, this is the guy who signed so-and-so and signed so-and-so. And it always, it sounds sort of impressive always because you're always picking out the, the best players he signed. Right. Um, right. And it's like, oh, well, well, he saw that guy. He thought that guy was good. So he must be a good scout. But we don't know what other scouts thought right. of those players. Maybe everyone knew that those guys were good or maybe they were high on, on some players who didn't get signed uh, who weren't that good, or we have no idea. We have no ability really to assess scouts from the outside. Right. The analysis is in the deep, deep, deep details. Yes. Um, so that's one issue. The other issue is whether the Blue Jays did something wrong here, or whether they did something uh, unkind that we should, you know, judge them mm-hmm. on. And we don't know that. Like the, to me, the maybe the biggest. The biggest question is how likely is it that these eight scouts are all going to land with another team in the next week? If that's the case, if these guys are all just shuffling scouts around, and once you're a scout, you're a scout for life, then I would have no issue with them getting rid of them and treating these as just simple meritocracy choices. Um, but you know, I, I might think of it differently if this were a real significant life 
life factor for the scouts and the Blue Jays are. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, uh, if the Blue Jays have a an idea of who their scouts are, but not at this stage in scouting analysis, a great idea. Yeah. Like if we can still debate whether they have good information or so-so information, or perhaps uh, very early and um, like you know, uh, if they're beta testing a scouting evaluation system. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> sorry, it's morning time. Mm-hmm. And using it to fire people, then I would find it a little bit more distasteful. Mm-hmm. And I guess I wonder how then teams hire scouts because all of the analysis that we're talking about depends on having access to years of reports. Whereas now, I mean, these guys now will go to new potential employers and I guess, you know, they'll have on their resume that they were scouts for the Blue Jays for however long and whatever they did before that. And these were the players I signed and these were the levels I covered. But those new teams won't be able to look at their reports either. So they won't be able to do that kind of analysis prior to hire them, hiring them. So they'll they'll be depending on, I guess, how you know their experience and how they interview and how they come across. And I guess they will reach out to people with the Blue Jays or other organizations and ask what they think of this guy. Um, but to some extent, they'll be going in blind also, or they will be going in knowing only what we know, uh, but, you know, more because they have more connections and can talk to people, but, but more of a subjective evaluation prior to hiring them, I guess, and then more objective after hiring them. Um, and to be fair, the Blue Jays have hired a ton of scouts since Alex Anthopoulos took over. I saw some tweets in response to, to Keith's tweets were like, putting this, uh, you know, trying to portray it as a, as a stats, stats versus scouts thing and saying that Anthopolis is, is a stat guy and doesn't like scouts or something, which is crazy. Uh, cause he's hired a ton of scouts and the Blue Jays have more scouts than, than pretty much any team. Um, so I don't know whether, whether these guys will get replaced or whether the, whether the plan is to downsize. Um, but the, the Blue Jays have certainly been a, a scouting-heavy organization since he took over. And I, I, I guess it matters at what point in the year guys are let go also because there are times in the, the baseball calendar where it's very difficult to get a new job if you were let go. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess it's, it's different for amateur scouts than, than pro scouts. I guess for amateur scouts, this would probably be the best time to get let go, I would think, because... Uh, it's just after the draft, and and you have a chance to catch on with someone. Whereas if you get fired close to the draft, you're probably not going to get added to another team that's already done a lot of its draft preparation and already has its system in place. So I would think they'd have a, a decent shot to catch on somewhere else at this time of year. So yeah, yeah. It also depends how much. I mean, GE famously fired something like ten percent of its workforce every year. Um, and, uh, they, they, the way that they did it kind of humanely was that basically if you were in the bottom 10% of the workforce, they would go to you well in advance and say, Hey, look, just want to let you know, you're in the bottom 10% of this, Mm -hmm. of our evaluations. We're not sure that you have the skills to have a future at this company. And most people don't want to be at a job they're bad at. And you give them, you know, a lot of notice to either get good at it or to find something else. And it's very, you know, it's very possible that the scouting director has been 
talking to these, you know, to all the scouts saying, Hey, just want to let you know, we're evaluating you all. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're looking at making changes in the department and, you know, maybe these guys had a lot of notice. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't know any of the HR implications. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's our first show of the week. Send us questions at podcast at baseballperspectus.com and we will get to them in a couple of days.